And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. Good morning and welcome to Sandy Creek Stirrings on this fine Friday morning. Glad to have you with me today, excited for our episode content. And really building off of last week, of course, this is a part two episode. And last week we did a part one soul winning, uh, and, uh, how to be a soul winner, part number one. And then this week, of course, is how to be a soul winner, part two. And looking forward to today's episode. As we talked about last week, the, you know, the most important thing you can get from Sandy Creek Stirrings is to be a soul winner, to win other souls for the cause of Jesus Christ. And you can give a defense of all these different topics, and you can know your Baptist history, and you can know all these different things, but if you aren't winning souls, why, you've missed the very essence of the command of God to you in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so that's the most important thing that you can ever get here. And so I'm so excited about today's content and today's episode. Let me encourage you that if you are listening on an on an um, on a podcast platform such as Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, let me encourage you to hit that follow or that subscribe button, and that way you can get the episodes sent directly to your app or to your email. And of course, there is for those of you who need it or listen on our on our website. You can always go to our website, SandyCreekStirrings.com. Down at the bottom, there's a little email subscription box. You type your email in there, and that way the episodes will get sent directly to your email. And of course, there's a lot of different ways you can listen to the podcast. You can listen through the through the, um, through the the website. You can listen through a podcast platform, or you can listen through Anchor, which of who is who I host through. And so there's a lot of different ways for you to listen. Of course, you can always send in a question, by the way. And you can go to sandycreekstirrings.com, go to the contact page, and send in a question. Or you can message, message us through Facebook. I know some people have done that, and so you can do one of those options and send in a question. We'll answer that on air for the listeners. And so let's get into the episode today. Last week we talked about soul winning, and of course we said how to be a soul winner. And we went over the importance of soul winning, how it's a biblical command. It produces eternal fruit, and it provides encouragement to the soul winner. And we could have given a lot of other reasons for the importance of soul winning, but we just stuck with those three. And then we talked about the very message of soul winning. It's not about digging wells. It's not about giving out food. It's not about building buildings. And those things are important. Those things are needed. But that's not soul winning. Soul winning is the sharing of the gospel, the good news of the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the lost. That is the heart, the heart of soul winning. Last week we talked about the Romans Road and some verses that you can use to win somebody the Lord. Specifically, I gave you, and as I said, you can use any verse you want, but what I use is I use um, uh, Romans 3.23, I use Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10.13. And as I said, I'll sprinkle some others in there, like 1 John 5.13, Ephesians 2.8.9, sometimes John 3.16. It really just depends on how the Lord leads within the person that I'm sharing the gospel with. And so then we talked about the method of soul winning, and we use the acronym of ICE, reaching them on an individual level, on a church level, and then an eternal level. Asking them that question, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? 
It's a very to-the-point question, yes or no answer. And uh, then we talked about explaining some of the different difficult passages within Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, and 10.13, so that people can understand exactly what you're trying to tell them. And so that's really kind of where we left off. We said that was the, the bulk of actually the content of being a soul winner. But from there, what do you actually do? How do you put that content into practice? And so let me give you some of the keys to soul winning today, and then at the end we'll walk you through exactly how to knock on a door and tell somebody about the Lord. One of the most important things you need to understand as a soul winner is, number one, prayer. Prayer. Our efforts are in vain without God. So anytime you go soul winning, whether it be at work, whether it be to a friend or a family member, or it be you're just knocking on cold doors— um, you must pray. You must have a, a prayerful spirit. You must pray before you go. Your efforts are in vain without God, and you will not have Him with you if you do not pray. Number two, you have to study. You have to study. I think it's very important that a soul winner study the verses that they are going to use, and they know them. I think it's important that you memorize them. Memorize Romans three twenty three and Romans and the Romans road verses that you use. You need to memorize them. It's okay to read them, and if you're just going soul winning and you're just starting, sure, read them. Absolutely no problem. But at some point, learn to sit down and study them and memorize them. And so those are two big keys as you get into soul winning that you need to understand is prayer and learning to study. And so what I'm going to do before we actually tell you how, like walk you through witnessing to somebody. We are first, I'm just going to give you a smorgasbord of tips for soul winners, and then we'll talk about applying those as we get into kind of our practical example here at the end. So let me give you just a, a smorgasbord of tips. Uh, number one, schedule your soul winning. You will never be a soul winner. You'll never be a true soul winner if you don't schedule your soul winning. Have a time where you go out and you try to win the loss to the Lord. Churches that are effective in soul winning have a scheduled soul winning program. You have to have it. If you don't schedule it, you will not be an effective soul winner. And hey, that's something I need to do better at. I'll be the first to raise my hand, first to admit it. I need to do better at that. I knew, knew bet, I need to do better at having a scheduled soul winning time and making sure I'm out there as much as I can be to win the lost souls for Christ. It's, it's like that with almost any area of life, though. If something is important to you, you'll schedule it and you'll make time for it. Number two, begin with friends and relatives. Begin with friends and relatives. They are built in for you being being ready to soul win with them. You have an inroad with them. You've already connected with them on an individual level. Most likely, you already know about what church they attend and things of that sort. So now you just need to bring it to an eternal level. If you died today, are you 100% sure you, you would go to heaven? All right, number three, be clean and neat. If you're going to, and most of these most of these tips I'm using are for if you're knocking on cold doors, you're out on your soul winning time with your church, and you're knocking on doors and, and trying to find people to tell them about the Lord, you need to know to be clean and neat. All right, now I'm a guy, so guys, I think it's very important that you make sure that whether you're a guy or a lady, you know your church's dress standards and what they expect you to dress like, and so you always want to dress to the best of your ability to set the best example for God. And so I'm going to speak to the gentleman because I am a man. Um, gentlemen, you need to wear um, some long slacks of some sort. Wear some khakis. Wear, um, wear some slacks of some sort. It's best to not wear shorts. 
Um, it's best to not wear jeans. Now, if jeans is the only pair of long pants you have in your closet, hey, it's better than shorts. Wear the jeans. And so, yes, I'm all for it. get out there and go soul winning, but wear the best you can. So I think it's important to wear to wear slacks, to wear khakis. And then some some churches do, if you're going soul winning, if you're going out in the visitation, um, some do a button down and a tie. Hey, if that's your church's program, then don't show up without a tie. All right? Get a tie. Follow your church's guidelines. Follow your church's program. Be a part of it. Don't try to buck the system and create an issue. Just just go with it. You're going soul winning. So follow the, the lead of your pastor and the lead of your church. Um, for a lot of churches I know, um, they don't necessarily wear a tie, but hey, I think it's important to at least have on a collared shirt. Wear a polo collared shirt. Um, maybe a button-down would be a better option. But have on a collared shirt. A lot more presentable than a T-shirt. Just being frank here this morning. And so be clean and neat. Number four, have a pocket. And let, Hang on, let's go back to be clean and neat. Brush your hair, please. Please brush your hair and fix your hair. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't get some of these guys who just wake up in the morning and they don't fix their hair. You look like a bum. Fix your hair, and so um, just do that and uh, make sure your clothes are ironed. And uh, maybe we'll just have a whole topic one day on dressing your best, and maybe that'd be good. But be clean and neat. Number four, have a pocket Bible and tracks. Now, some people are going to vary with me a little bit on this, but I think I think it's important. I feel it's important for a soul winner to have a pocket Bible, uh, probably a New Testament, and some tracks with them. And the tracks are important. If somebody doesn't answer the door, at least you can stick a track in the door, and you know they're at least getting the gospel in a written form. It's always better when it's spoken, but at least they have it in written form if nobody answers the door. And it's also great for when you do talk to somebody, you can give them that track. Um, when If they don't get saved, they're at the door. They can read it. God can use it later on. They also have all the information for the church. So it's important to carry church tracks with you. From your church is the best thing. And uh, so make sure to do that. And then have a pocket Bible. And here's here's why I believe in having a pocket Bible. I carry a New Testament that I can fit in my back pocket, same just like my wallet. I just put it in my back pocket. And so when I walk up to a door, the only thing I have in my hand is I have one single church track. I don't have a stack of them because I have a stack of tracks in my other back pocket. And um, but I have one single church track, and I hold that up. I in fact, when somebody opens the door, I'm holding it to where my fingers pointing at the name of our church and say, "Hi, I'm from Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church," and that's the way I open up. You don't have to open up that way, but that's the way I do. So I think it's important to have tracks, but then having a pocket Bible, because here's the deal. There are some people who they see you walking up the sidewalk to their house, and you've got your big family Bible under your arm. I mean, it's the big one. And they immediately know, oh boy, and they're not even going to open the door. Because some people just, they do not want to talk to quote-unquote religious zealots. They don't want to talk to those people. And so they won't even give you a chance. They won't even open the door. Now, that's not everybody, but that's a lot of people, I'll be honest with you. So if you have a Bible in your back pocket, they don't know who you are. They're more likely to open the door. And then it gives you a better chance to be able to talk with them about the Lord. And so have a pocket Bible and tracks. Number five, carry some way of copying down information, whether it be you carry a pen and note cards, which is extremely effective, or uh, have a cell phone and you can copy down information. I prefer a pen and note cards, but that's me and because uh, I always have a pen on me. So I carry a pen and note cards. But you want to be able to jot something down. Um, if somebody has, hey, they've got, you know, they've got, four kids, and, and uh, their names of the kids are da-da-da-da-da, and they think that maybe they'd be interested in riding the bus. Well, how are you going to find that house again unless you write the address down? 
Now, you may be really good at directions, but me, I have to know the address or I will not find that house again. And so you want to write down that information. Maybe there's a, a lady who just lost her husband. And she's a widow, and she's struggling, and she could use a friend. Maybe you send two ladies back from the church, and they go back and talk with that lady. And so you want to have a pen and note card to take notes for future visits and different things like that. And so um, there's a couple tips for you. Number six, go with different people. If you have a soul winning program where you're paired up with somebody, which I believe in going two by two, and it's always best to have a, somebody with you, but then learn to try and go with different people. It's easy to want to go with the same person you're used to them, maybe your friends or something like that. But the thing is, you'll never expand your knowledge base unless you go with other people. And so you need to hear the way other people soul win. You need to hear maybe they lead into a verse that works better for you than the other person you went with. Everybody does it a little bit differently. And so by going with different people, you'll learn different ways and different things that you can put into practice and work for you. Number seven, go by faith, expecting results. If you go say, nobody's going to get saved today, it's going to be a terrible day, uh, people are going to slam the door in my face, you know, it's just going to be a terrible day, I'm going to get shot at, um, you know, that's not going by faith, you're probably not going to experience the results, it tells me as well you're not praying with faith. And so you go by faith saying, God is going to do something great today, we're going to see somebody saved, and you go by faith expecting results. Number eight, learn to be complimentary, learn to be folksy, and um, you don't want to walk up and as soon as they open the door... If you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven when you die? They'd probably be like, whoa, who are you? And, uh, you know, that's kind of a scary question to open up at the door with. And so learn to open up, but be complimentary, be, folks, be folksy. Say, hey, I really like your rocking chairs on this porch. Where did you get them from? Ma'am, your flower garden is the nicest flower garden I have ever seen. Sir, I see your Marines flag out in the yard. Were you a part of the Marines? Thank you for your service. Wow, I really like that Australian Shepherd you have. That is a very nice dog. Can your pit bull stop biting me? And uh, so learn to be complimentary. You learn to be folksy. And uh, so number nine, be interested, but not too interested. You say, what do you mean? There will be some people who will open up, well... My, my foot has really been aching. And it all started in 1947 when my mother was cooking a batch of biscuits. And, you know, she always used to use those biscuits with the kind of flour. And you'll be there for forever. All right? So you do want to be interested in what people are saying. But you don't want to be too interested because you want to witness. You could spend a couple hours at one single house. And that's all right, and that's okay in some situations. But for the majority of the time, you're wanting to soul win. You're wanting to get to that question. If you died today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? So you'd be too interested and not, but not too interested. All right? So if the lady says, well, my husband just died, and you're like, really? Your husband just died. I'm single. No, that's the wrong way to go with it. You're being too interested. All right? So number 10, learn to stay on subject. Uh, it's easy to go down a rabbit trail. When you're soul winning, your goal is to lead that person to the Lord. Now, you're being complimentary. You're being folksy. You're being friendly. You're, you're talking with them. You're genuinely showing that you care about them. So if you walk away from that door and they don't get saved, at least they can say, hey, that person genuinely cared about me. So yes, all those things are in play, but you want to witness to them. So try to stay on subject. Number 11, learn to be a good listener, but not too good. As we said, you know, and be interested and not too interested, kind of along the same lines. And the number 13, look into their eyes. That is a good thing to do no matter the situation. Learn to look into people's eyes. Um, let's talk about some don'ts. Number one, don't talk too fast. Because if you talk too fast, most of the time people won't understand what you're saying. 
And uh, when I first started preaching, I probably still do this every now and then, there's a particular church member we have, and I would talk very fast because I was a lot more nervous. I've, I've settled in a little bit more, and I enjoy preaching, and so I've settled in a little bit more. I, I still get nervous every single time, but not as nervous as I used to get when I first start preaching. And so when I used to, I would just talk so fast, but most people couldn't understand what I was saying. And uh, we had one church member, he would come up to me and he'd tell me, man, you give me the jitters. I think I'm going to have a heart attack. Slow down. You need to do the same thing when you're soul winning. You need to learn to not talk too fast. And to you don't want to talk super slow either, but you don't want to talk too fast. And number two, don't ask personal questions. Um, are you happily married? Well, what do you need to know that? That's, that's none of your business. Um do you have any, you know, there's, there's plenty of personal questions you think about. Hey, did you take a shower today? Those are personal questions. No need to ask them. Don't ask personal questions. Number three, don't proceed if they don't understand. If they've never heard of Jesus before, you can't proceed until you explain who Jesus is. So for every step along the way, if they don't understand something, you cannot proceed. You need to make sure they understand. Number four, don't chase rabbits. Number five, don't use too many illustrations. Now, I believe in using illustrations. I believe in using personal stories. I believe in telling your testimony. Your testimony, in my opinion, is the greatest tool you have in soul winning other than the Word of God. Your testimony. What God did for you. That's the most important, the most, the greatest tool you have is your testimony. But at the same time, don't use too many, too many illustrations because you'll get off topic. Number six, don't use confusing words. All right? And God will redeem you and put you into his righteousness, and then he will sanctify you for the glorification one day of your body. They will not understand a lick of what you're saying. So learn to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Don't use confusing words. Or if you need to use a particular word like God commendeth from Romans 5.8, learn to give the definition. But God commendeth, that means God gave. Don't use confusing words. Number seven, don't have silent spots. Don't say, you know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23. It makes it awkward if there's a silent spot. So don't have a silent spot. Learn to keep the conversation going. Number eight, don't talk over their head. Kind of fits in with that confusing words. Um, number nine, don't use a lot of humor. If you're talking about hell and how God wants to save you from hell, that is not the time to tell a joke about hell. All right? So don't use a lot of humor. Number 10, don't stay too long. If you tell the person, hey, if I could tell you in five minutes how you can know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, would you be willing to listen? If they say yes, then don't take more than five minutes. Okay? You learn to stay and make sure that you get your message across, but don't stay too long. And then number 11, when you're out knocking on doors, don't end with a negative visit. If, the, if you say, this is the last door, knock, 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 and the guy slams the door in your face, don't end with that visit. Do one more. Do one more that is at least semi-positive. And so those are the important things about um, do's and don'ts and tips for soul winners. And so it's very important. Now, typically when you go, you'll go with somebody. And uh, when you first start going out, you'll probably go and you'll be listening to the other guy. He'll probably do most of the talking or the other lady. She'll probably do most of the talking. And so for the first part, you may be a, a silent partner. How do you be the best silent partner that you can be if you're going to somebody else? Because um, at every door, 
one person needs to be the talker, the other person needs to be the silent partner. And maybe you switch it for every door. But often you'll be a silent partner at some point. And so how do you be a good silent partner? Well, you allow the speaker to talk. If it's that person's time to talk, then you let them talk. You be quiet. You're called the silent partner for for a reason. Next, you show interest in what's being said. If you're at somebody's door and you're talking with them, you're paying attention to the conversation. You're not looking past the person and looking to see who's in the house and, oh, what's playing on their TV? Pay attention to the conversation. Um, if there's kids and there's kids out playing with the yard and they're playing soccer in the front yard and the speaker is trying to witness the mom and the mom's kind of watching the kids, go out and kick the soccer ball with the kids. Keep them company. Talk to the kids. Play with the kids in the sight of their parents. In the sight of their parents. In the sight of their parents. Be very clear. But go play with the kids. I used to do that when we'd go out in California and we'd go soul winning. My uh, bus captain would be talking to the parents about allowing their kids to ride the bus. If the kids were outside, I'd throw the football with them or kick a soccer ball. That was extremely common or do whatever and I'd play with them. And um, in the sight of their parents, showing them that, hey, we know how to have fun with kids. But I'm also making it to where my bus captain can now witness to the parent. And the parent knows they're having fun. They're fine. They're fine. All right. Uh, next, you want to you want to try and handle all the scorners. Sometimes you'll come across a, a friend may show up at the door of the house of somebody you're witnessing to, and they're a scorner. There's somebody who's like, oh, a bunch of religious people again. Why don't you go talk to that person and try and keep them quiet so your speaker can try and witness to the other person? And so last but not least, you want to join in the rejoicing. If that person gets saved, you want to tell them, man, that's the best decision you've ever made. Uh, That's so exciting. I'm so glad that you got saved today. And so how do we put this all together, all these do's and don'ts? So you and I, you're my silent partner. We're walking up the uh, walking up the front sidewalk, and you, I've got my tracks. I've got a pocket Bible, and we're walking up to the first door. We walk up there. I see that this uh, this guy has an Air Force bumper sticker on the back of his car, and they've got a German Shepherd in the window. That's a scary door to knock on, isn't it? So you and I, we walk up to the door, and what do we do? I knock on the door. A gentleman comes to the front door. He opens the door. He's got a cap on. It says Air Force on the front. I've got a track in my hand. I'm pointing to it. And I say, hello, my name is Joshua Menez. I'm from Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church in High Springs, Florida. We're just out today inviting people to go to church. And I noticed on the back of your car as we were walking up that um, it's, there's an Air Force bumper sticker. Were you in the Air Force? And he'll respond, and maybe he says, yeah, I was in the Air Force. I served for 20 years or whatever. Oh, well, thank you so much for your service. My father was in the Air Force as well, and that's kind of exciting. I love military and uh, talking about the military. You know, my, my dad was in the Air Force, but eventually he left to become a pastor. In fact, the, the church that we're talking about, my dad is the pastor of. And uh, where do you go to church? you go to church anywhere? And maybe he'll say, uh, Let's just say for this example, I, you know, I don't go to church. I don't, I'm looking for a church. I don't go to church anywhere. I say, well, we'd love to have you. This church right here, maybe I'll point to the map on the back of the track. We're just right down the road here in High Springs, Florida. And we've got Sunday school and Sunday morning services, Sunday night and Wednesday night. And boy, I would sure love it if you came. My dad would love to meet you and meet another Air Force veteran. It would be great. And um, we'd love to have you come. And he says, you know, thank you. I'll, I'll think about that. Now, the conversation may start becoming to a close, but I haven't got to my point yet. So I'll look at him and I'll say, you know what, I, I'm a Christian, I'm an assistant to the pastor at my church, and, but you know, I wouldn't be a very good Christian if I left your door today and I didn't ask you this question. Mr., um, let's say his name is Bob, Mr. Bob, 
If you die today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven when you die? Now, I'm going into that question, right? I'm, I'm soul winning. I'm beginning to talk to that person. What's my silent partner? What are you doing? Well, you're paying attention to the conversation. You're smiling. You're nodding your head. But you're praying in your heart. Lord, I, I, Lord, I pray that you'd help Josh as he would sing to Mr. Bob. Lord, I pray that you'd help Mr. Bob's heart to be open. And you're praying in your heart. All right, so back to my conversation. I, I asked him, I said, you know, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And let's just make this an easy one for today. And uh, maybe if you have a question, you can send that in. Maybe it's a little bit more of a difficult door, but let's make it an easy one. And he says, you know what? I, I don't know where I would go. Now I look at him, Mr. Bob, you know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, the Bible says that God wrote all of the words of God so that you can know where you're going to go when you die. God wants you to know. You know, there's two places you can go, heaven or hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God gave himself so you could go to heaven, and God wants you to know. If I took just a couple minutes today and could show you from the Word of God, not my opinion, but from the Word of God, how you can know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, would you give me that time so you can settle that decision today? Now, again, this is an easy one, so Mr. Bob's like, Yes, I think I'd like to know. So what I do now is I reach back and I pull out my pocket New Testament, my concealed carry, not my gun, my, my Bible. And I pull that out and I open it up. Well, there's a few things you need to understand, Mr. Bob. The first one you need to understand is it found in Romans um, chapter 3 and verse 23. And what I'll do is, is I'll actually hold the Bible to where in front of him to where he can read it. Obviously, it's backwards and upside down to me. But he can read it. I've memorized it. So I'll hold it out for him, and I might even underline as I go along with my finger. Now, the Bible says here, Mr. Bob, for all have sinned. That means everybody's a sinner, Mr. Bob. Everybody has sinned. A sin is anything that goes against the very Word of God. It's a disobedience to God. Now, I'm a sinner. My pastor's a sinner. My silent partner here, he's a—I'm not going to say silent partner. I'm going to say your name, but over here, they're a sinner— you're a sinner. What, can you name me a sin, Mr. Bob? And maybe he says stealing. Yeah, that's a sin. That's a sin. You know what the Bible says? We are all sinners. It doesn't matter. There's some people who believe they're perfect, but everybody is a sinner. And the Bible verse continues, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mr. Bob, we have come short of the glory of God. It's kind of like this. Have you ever been to a theme park before? And he shakes his head up and down. Yes, I have. Well, I was at a theme park one time. I was at Disney World. I was just a young little kid. And, you know, before you get on a big roller coaster, they have a measuring stick that you have to be this tall. And I'll put my hand out probably about waist high or maybe a little bit higher. You have to be this tall to get on the roller coaster. And, you know, we went to go on Space Mountain. Have you ever heard of that ride? And he'll say, yeah. And uh, I went to get on Space Mountain. I was just barely too short. I mean, just, you know, paper width short. And you know what my parents did, Mr. Bob? They took me to the bathroom later on that day. They stuffed toilet paper in my shoes, took me back, and I was just high enough to get on the ride. And, you know, he'll laugh, I'll chuckle, and I'll say, you know what, Mr. Bob, when we get to heaven, God's going to have a measuring stick, not that we're this tall, but we have to be this perfect, and it's to be as perfect as God, who has never even thought a wrong thought. And you know what, Mr. Bob, we are going to come short of his perfectness. We're going to come short of his glory. We're not going to be able to make it into heaven of ourselves. Now, I'll flip to Romans 6, 23. Now, Mr. Bob, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And Mr. Bob, you know what a wage is. I'm sure you have a job or you made a paycheck when you are in the Air Force, right? 
Okay, a wage is simply a paycheck. And so the Bible says that our wage, our paycheck for sin is death. But this isn't just any death where we die and we go to the grave. This is a death where we spend an eternity separated from God in a lake of fire called hell. And nobody wants to spend an eternity there. But because we are sinners, that's the paycheck that we earned. We deserve death in hell forever. But Mr. Bob, there is good news. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. God has a gift for you, Mr. Bob. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mr. Bob, God has a gift for you. In fact, the Bible says, I'll flip to Romans 5.8. The Bible says, but God commendeth. That means God gave. It's just a big word means God gave. But God commendeth. God gave his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, Mr. Bob, you and I are both sinners. We both deserve to die and to go to hell and spend an eternity separated from God. But God gave a gift of his love so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. God came and was born, and he died on a cross to be the sacrifice for our sins. And Mr. Bob, if we only ask Jesus Christ, who died on that cross, he was buried, he was in the grave for three days, but then he rose again, he's up preparing a place in heaven for those who who get saved, he's preparing that place. Mr. Bob, we can go to heaven, we can get saved by asking Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and save us. The Bible says, I'll flip to Romans 10, 13, for whosoever, that means anybody, anybody, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Mr. Bob, if you will simply ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you, the Bible says that you can go to heaven when you die. I'll look at Mr. Bob and I'll say, Mr. Bob, you said you didn't know where you would go when you die. Well, very clearly from the Bible, the Bible says that if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart to save you, you deserve to go to hell the same as I do. But you know, Mr. Bob, when I was three and a half years old, I knelt by my bed and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to save me. And from that day, the Bible says that God took me. He made me one of his children. I can never lose my salvation. There's nothing I can do to become unsaved. I'm always saved. The Bible says I can't be cast out. I can't be plucked out. I can't fall out. There's nothing I can do to get unsaved, but I'm now a child of God. Now, Mr. Bob, I didn't do anything of myself to get saved. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved. Grace is getting something we do not deserve. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing I can do in the world, Mr. Bob, to take me to heaven. I can't give money to the church. I can't be baptized. And let me just put this in there. I always mention baptism. There are so many people out there who count um, baptism as salvation, all right? So you want to mention baptism when you go over to um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So, Mr. Bob, you can't give money to church, you can't get baptized, you can't do anything to go to heaven. It's a gift of God, something we don't deserve. Mr. Bob, would you like to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you today? And Mr. Bob is an easy guy, and so he nods his head, yes, I would. So I say, Mr. Bob, well, we're going to just bow our head, and we're going to ask Jesus Christ. You're going to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you. Now, Mr. Bob, you can say some words, but if you don't mean it with your heart... The Bible says you're just saying words. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto promise, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
you have to believe inside your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that you deserve to die and go to hell, but Jesus loved you so much that he came and died to be the sacrifice for your sins so you could go to heaven when you die. And you're trusting, not in anything of yourself, but you're trusting that Jesus Christ will save you. Mr. Bob, would you like to pray and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God and that he can save you? Mr. Bob nods. I look at Mr. Bob. I say, Mr. Bob, would you like to pray on your own or would you like me to help you? Now, a lot of times people will, people will have you help them. Maybe they never prayed before. And so I'll say, well, Mr. Bob, I can help you pray. And you can repeat after me if you like, Mr. Bob. But let me remind you that these are just words. There's no particular magic words to get into heaven. It's just a simple prayer and talking to God. And so, Mr. Bob, if you want to pray. Now, remember, if you just say these words and you don't actually believe them and mean them in your heart, it's not going to do anything. But, Mr. Bob, if you mean it and believe it, the Bible says you will be saved. So I'll lead him in a simple prayer. Um Say, dear Lord, now I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to go to hell. Um, I, but I know that you have a have a gift for me, and that you gave your Son to die on the cross. And Lord, I pray that you come into my heart and save me, and make this today the day of my salvation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And so I'll lead him in something simple like that, and I'll look at Mr. Bob, and I'll say, now, Mr. Bob, according to the Bible, if you get saved, if you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you, where would you go when you die? And if he listened well enough and he understands, and I made sense, he's going to say heaven. Mr. Bob, what did you just do? I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. So, Mr. Bob, when you die, where are you going to go? Heaven. Now, Mr. Bob, I asked you a question at the very beginning of today. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven when you die? You said, I don't know. What would be your answer now? Mr. Bob looks, probably with a smile on his face, I'd go to heaven. And that's how you lead somebody to the Lord. It's not super difficult, but it just takes some practice. And so what do you do from there? I'm going to give you some final basic tips and we'll be done for today. What do you do? How do you follow up after salvation? Well, number one, realize that they are your convert. You led them to the Lord. They are your convert. You are responsible for them now. And so you're responsible for them. You're, they're your convert. And so two, you want to rejoice with them. Mr. Bob, that is the greatest decision. My goodness, I'm so excited. That is so exciting. Uh, my, my, my pastor is going to be so excited. This is incredible. This is the greatest day. We're going to write down this day so you can always remember when you got saved. All right, so you want to do that. Then number three, you want to brag on the church. Because your goal now is you want to get them into church so they can grow as a Christian. They just got saved. They were just born as a Christian. Now you want them to grow. So you want to brag on the church. Mr. Bob, I really think you would love our church. You know, our pastor, he's an Air Force veteran like you, and I really think you'd love it. I would really appreciate it if you would come to church, and I have some people that I think you would enjoy meeting. So, Mr. Mr. Bob, I, I just, I, you would love our church. And so you brag on the church. And then, D, you want to get them to promise it, to at least come once. All right, if somebody really got saved, it's not going to be much of an issue trying to get them to come. But you want to get them to promise. Would you, would you promise me that you'd come Sunday morning? Promise me that you'd come Sunday morning. And so then what you want to do is after you get them to promise, then you call them on Saturday night. You call them on Saturday night. You get their number before you leave. Then on Saturday night, you call them. Hey, Mr. Bob, this is Josh. Hey, so excited about that decision you made. And isn't that great? I'm, it's so exciting. And so don't forget, tomorrow the time is da-da-da. And let me ask you this, and here's the next point. Can I pick you up? You mind if I pick you up? I'll take you to lunch afterwards, and we can get a bite to eat, and let me, let me pick you up. If you are able to, it's, it's best to pick up your convert. You'll make sure you get them there to church. 
And so once you get to church, you want to introduce them to members of your church. Take them to your friends and say, hey, Mr. Bob, this is my friend so-and-so. You want to introduce them to members of your church. You want to pray for them. You want to um, introduce them to the pastor. And then something I think is wise, of course, the next step for them as a Christian is to get baptized. I think it's wise, and who knows, your pastor may disagree with me. You may disagree with me. I don't know. But um, I think it's wise to let the pastor mention baptism. Uh, because sometimes you can scare people if right off the bat you say, now, you're going to come to church on Sunday morning, and we're going to have you go in the back, and you're going to take all your clothes off, and you're going to put on this robe, and then we're going to dunk you underwater. That sounds a little scary. Like, why do, why do I need to do that? And obviously you would explain that to him, but it's often best if you get them there for that service and you let the pastor mention baptism to him, and he'll know how to do it wisely, and he can handle it from there. And so soul winning, not super difficult, just a lot of people don't do it. And that's the sad part. And so there's some tips for you on how to be a soul winner. And so you got part one, part two, combine them together, and hopefully that'll help you to be a more effective soul winner and how and learning how to lead somebody to the Lord. If you have any questions in this area, you can always uh, contact me through our through our website, sandycreekstirrings.com, or through our Facebook page. Of course, that's Sandy Creek Stirrings on Facebook, and we would love to hear from you. And as you continue to win souls and see people saved, let me encourage you, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.